You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Brett. I'm one of the pastors here at Centro Church, and uh, it is great to have you along with us. Area 51. You guys have found it. Well done. Uh, it's an alien joke, but um, hey. Hey, we're continuing our series, Legacy, and uh, we're, we're looking at the various aspects of legacy, and, and I guess... <laughs> Sorry, I've just got to watch Johnny go down the stairs. Uh, no pressure. He actually doesn't have anything wrong with him. Uh, he, he's got a slightly fractured toner, uh, but he's just after sympathy. And uh, so thank you for giving that to him. Uh, you've just fallen into the trap. But um, yeah, so we're continuing our, our series on legacy. And uh, we're looking at the various... I guess, tangible things that we want to make sure that we're deliberate about as a church. Uh, But being deliberate about these as a church isn't going to change anything because a church is made up of individuals. And uh, if we as individuals don't embrace this and don't model this, then legacy doesn't go past outside of these doors. I believe that we're called to leave a legacy not just inside this place where we come in and then we kind of act a certain persona or act a certain way. No, but at the legacy that we leave has to be a real legacy so that we're the same inside and outside. So that when people see our lives, they see a, a, a real impact and a real, uh, a, a real different way to live. And I think that's, what, that's the life that Jesus calls us to live. He calls us to live a, a life that is better and more excellent. And, uh, and so we want to have a look at an aspect tonight of how Jesus wants us to live a life more excellent. Legacy doesn't happen by accident. Legacy is, is not necessarily just the things that have been passed down. There is a difference, and I shared this this morning, there's a difference between inheritance and legacy. Inheritance is given to you. You, you get an inheritance. It's one generation. But legacy is multi-generation. It, a legacy is, is when you take your inheritance and then you build on that. And, and, then, and then that inheritance is then passed on and then that next generation then built upon that. And that is how legacy is built. And, and we, just, we, we want to leave a greater inheritance than that which was given to us uh, as a church. We want to make sure, and as individuals, we want to we, we live a, a life greater than those that have been before us. We want to ensure that the, the battles that they had to fight, the battles that they had to win, then that we're not facing the same battles and, and that we're winning the, the, the battles for the next generation so that when they take up the mantle, they don't have to fight the same battles that we had to fight. Uh, my prayer is that my son doesn't have to fight the same struggles that I have to fight. Uh, my, my prayer is that he is set up, that there's a foundation there that he can move into that ensures that he has an, not necessarily an easier life, but a life of greater purpose and a life of greater impact. And uh, I don't believe that, that Jesus calls us to have an easy life. I believe that, that, that Jesus calls us to have an excellent life. And excellent isn't always easy. And, uh, and, and I believe that that's, that's what we as a church want to have as individuals. But as a collective, we form the legacy. And so this evening, I want to look at faith. I want to look at what, it is, what does it look like to leave a legacy of faith to the next generation, but not just, not just a kind of a down-the-line faith. I want us to look at what does it look like to model a faith so that the next generation looks at us and goes, 
I want what they have. I want what they are. I want to model that. And so that's what we're going to look at this evening. How can we ensure that the, the fire of faith is stoked amongst us so that those that come after don't have to, don't have to rediscover what faith is? They don't have to re, re-look at what faith is. They can use that foundation as a model for their own life. And uh, you see, everybody has faith. Every, everybody on earth has faith. It's just where you place your faith that makes the difference. Uh, Romans 12.3, it says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God has given everybody a measure of faith. Now, where you place that faith is what determines your life outcome. Where you put that faith or how you operate in that faith determines where you will end up. It will determine how you will live your life. It will determine how people will see you. You see, people put their faith in all kinds of things. And so my question to you is not, do you have faith? My question to you is, where are you putting your faith? Where is your faith placed? What are you trusting in tonight? Because everybody's trusting in something. And if we can't identify that, then something has got a hold of us that we don't necessarily know. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, some people put their faith in their friends. They put their faith in their friendship group or their circle or their circle of influence. It might be, well, you know, I'm a, a real estate agent and, and that's who I am. So I'm going to put my faith in my friendship circle, in my corporate circle. Some people put their faith in their skills. Oh, you know, I've got this skill, therefore I know that I'm going to be secure because I can get an income, and because of this skill, I'm going to be set. And people put their faith in their skills. Some people put their faith in their financial status. Well, because I've paid my house off or I've got significant investments, that's going to ensure that I can live the way that I want to live. People put their faith in all kinds of places. People put their faith in all kinds of different, weird, and sometimes wonderful things. But I think we need to make sure that we are putting our faith in something that is transcendent, in something that is bigger than who we are. Because all of those things that I listed, your friendship circle, your skills, your financial status, they can all be taken away in an instant. They can all be laid bare. But if we actually put our faith in Jesus Christ, it it, it propels us to a place where, where we in our natural self could not get to. And, uh, and, and so this evening, I don't want to convince you to have faith. I want to convince you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And I want you to, and, and I, I want you to see that the, the faith in Jesus Christ calls us to a greater experience. It calls us to a greater level of life. It calls us to a more excellent and amazing life. And you know, later on this evening, I, w- I want to give you the opportunity. If you have not said, hey, I, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I, I want to put my faith and trust in Him. I'll give you that opportunity uh, at the end of our service. So you, know, you, can, you can join that tonight. You can be a part of that tonight. And, and you can actually believe and, and put your faith in who He said He is and who He said He will be to you for eternity. And, uh, and so, you know, there, there's been uh, probably one of the things that are around uh, a lot now is that people are deconstructing their faith. And I think that that term is an incorrect term because you can't deconstruct your faith 
you're only reconstructing your faith in other places. And, and so let's be careful when we use terms like, I'm just deconstructing my faith, because you're taking, faith is a tangible thing. Like, like I said before, God has given everybody a measure of faith. You can't take your faith away, you're just putting it in other places. And, and so how do we as individuals build a legacy of faith? How do we as a church pass on a legacy of faith? And, and so I want to have a look at a few things. I want to have a look at a few heroes of faith and, and have a look at how they operated, debunk a few myths about faith, because I think faith can be one of those terms that is so, it, it almost gets overused and in its sense it loses a bit of its power. Uh, and so what is faith? And we're going to look at those questions tonight. But let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you love us. Lord, I thank you that you have great plans for us and you have a great calling on our life and you have a great destiny for us to walk into. Lord, I pray that whatever blockages, whatever, whatever would hinder us from, from understanding your purpose and your power in our life, Lord, I pray that they would be blocked out tonight. Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear what you want us to, say, what you want us to hear. Lord, I pray that we would have a soft spirit ready to receive the small, quiet voice of your Holy Spirit speaking to us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hebrews 11 is largely known as the faith chapter in the New Testament. And, and Hebrews 11, 1 to 3 says this. Now, faith is the substance, I want you to remember that word, substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for it is by... For, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Sounds really cryptic. And then uh, if you head further down that, that verse, it says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. And so... Uh, that, those particular passages of Scripture, which if, if you read the whole of Hebrews 11, it, it goes through uh, the various heroes of faith. It talks about the heroes of the Old Testament that, that were testament of the faith that they had. But I want to look at a couple of things tonight that I think are really important if we want to define what legacy we want to leave. And I think the first thing that we need to make sure that we define is faith. What is faith? Is it trust? Is it hope? Is it belief? Is it casting out doubt? What is faith? Because if we can't define it, we can't model it. If we don't know what it is, we can't touch it. If we can't uh, understand what it means, then we can't actually go, well, okay, do I have faith in, in Christ or don't I have faith? Uh, when I was a kid, um, we would go to my Nana's property and she would have gooseberries. And uh, now I want everybody to picture what a gooseberry is. Close your eyes, imagine it. I don't know what you're picturing. Maybe you might be picturing a goose. Uh, I don't know what it is, but I'll show you what a picture of a gooseberry is. That's a gooseberry. So was that what you were picturing? Pro maybe, maybe not. Um, do they have gooseberries in Ireland? Oh, amazing. Yeah, they're probably a lot greener, and um, they've probably got four leaves on them. A uh, lot luckier as well. Uh, but similar to 
there was probably a hundred different ideas of what a gooseberry is, and there's probably a hundred different ideas of what faith is in this room, to be quite frank. And so what I want to do is, right from the outset, I want us to define what faith is. I want us to be able to almost put a tangible picture of what faith is so that we know, well, hey, am I modeling this or am I not modeling this? Do I want this or do I not want this? And uh, faith, I think, has been overdefined, but also manipulated into stuff that it's not. Faith has been kind of pushed to, to be something that, that we don't necessarily understand as what biblical faith is. And unfortunately, it's caused sometimes a lot of disillusionment and sometimes a lot of heartache and a lot of pain because what we understand as being faith is actually not what faith is. And so I want to answer what, a couple of things, I want to answer what faith is not and I want to answer what faith is. And we'll look at some key uh, footholds or handholds of faith that will allow us to deepen the legacy of faith so that we can go, okay, fantastic, well, this is, this is what I want. And, and you know, you might be here tonight and you might be saying, well, look, I don't, I don't really know about this Jesus guy. I don't really know about faith in Jesus Christ. That's cool. That's cool. Just, I, I just want you to, to, to just listen and just let, let it wash over you. And, and you know, we'll, we'll just see where this lands and see where it lands in your spirit. But Hebrews 11, 1 to 3, if we can have that scripture back up. Um, I want to, okay, so now faith is the substance. So here's my first thing. What is faith? Faith is substance. Faith is not ethereal. Faith is tangible. What's substance? Substance is something that you can touch. Substance, substance is something that you can see. Substance is something that you can taste. Substance is real. It's there. You can touch it. It can be seen. It can be evident in your life. Faith is not ethereal. It's not, it, it, faith is not necessarily belief. You have to believe to have faith, but faith is not, belief is not faith itself. That's confusing. I'll unpack it in a minute. But faith can be seen in the way that it alters the way that we live. Faith is not just, well, you know, I, um, I got faith on Sunday and, and great faith. No, faith is substance. It tangibly affects your life. And, and, you know, you might be here today and you're a bricklayer. You might be here today and you're a teacher. You might be here tonight and, and, and you know, you, you could work at Hungry Jack's. Faith is tangibly affecting your life in your workplace, in your family, in your relationships, in your finance. Faith is not just kind of, oh, great, that feeling, that, you know, that way out there kind of awesomeness. No, no, faith changes us. Faith causes us to make adjustments. Faith, and again, this is the key thought, substance. Faith determines the way that we see the world and interpret the world. Faith, you know, there's, there's some things that, that are spoken that are truth, but faith actually determines the way that we see the world. There are some things that we don't necessarily accept because of our faith. There are some things that we, you know, there might be something spoken about a diagnosis or something. Now, our faith causes us to see the world differently. Our faith allows us to see that, hey, God can intervene in this situation. God can make a difference. God can make a tangible change in this circumstance 
in this world. Faith is not just belief. Well, I've just got to believe. 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 No, no, no. Faith causes us to live differently. James says in, uh, he says that faith without works is dead, which means that faith causes us to walk, act, see, smell, taste in a way that is different to people that don't necessarily put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Faith aligns us with the plans and purposes of God for our life. Faith is an aligning thing. It's the substance. It changes us to align us to the plans and the purposes of Jesus Christ. Faith is not belief only, but all faith has a belief component. I'll explain what that means. I said that I'd unpack it a little bit. Um, You know, I can... I can say that I think, uh, you know, I can, I can say that, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm fully, uh, I'll use Johnny as an example, who was the guy that was walking down, um, because it's fun, and uh, he's a cripple. Uh, <laughs> but I, I can say, um, you know, I can say that Johnny doesn't have a broken leg, and, uh, and I can believe that Johnny doesn't have a broken leg, um, and even I'm questioning it because, like, I know how Johnny is, but um, no, I'm not. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I've got the microphone. Don't talk back. Um, no, but I, I can, I can, I, I can believe that and believe that and believe that. But it's actually not going to change the way that Johnny walks. It's not going to change the way that he he accepts that. Now, I'll go into. I'll use that example at a later, a later point in this message to just uh, you know highlight something else. But. You know, faith actually causes, belief isn't going to change that. The belief that I have isn't going to change that. But, but if, if I believe that something is going to change, if I believe that, you know, if I believe that there's a, my financial situation is going to change, just believing it isn't going to, isn't going to necessarily, that's not what faith is. Faith is acting as though it has. It's the substance it's the, it's, the, it's the movement, it's the tangible thing that moves us in that direction. It's not just belief. It's not just belief. And I think that sometimes, and because, you know, I, when I was a kid, I used, to, I, I used to pray, and this is kind of showing my age, but because I, I didn't really know how to pray, I used to pray for a tape. Like, you know, one of those things, for those of you that were kind of born after 2000. A tape is kind of like Spotify, but you can touch it, and uh, and you can you can hold it. Um, but I, it was just I was praying for a tape. It was just what I did because I thought, oh well, you know, I'd like a tape. I didn't necessarily know what I wanted it for, um, but it didn't. It, it was just it was a belief that if I I believe this enough, it's going to happen. And uh, but but faith is not that. Faith is moving. It's acting. It's it's operating in a way in which I believe that something is going to happen, so much so that I'm going to actually act in a certain way as if it is going to happen. And, uh, and that's what faith is. That's what tangible faith is because it's substance. You can see it. It's not just something that exists. You can't, faith is not hype. You can't whip yourself up into kind of this frenzy of faith. No, no, no. Because faith actually, it, it's, it's tangible. It's real. It's there. Faith is not the absence of doubt. And here's, the, here's a, a real kicker. You can have doubts and you can still have faith. 
Don't think because you have doubts, you have questions that aren't answered, that you don't have faith. We're gonna look at one of the greatest heroes of faith that ever existed, and he doubted, not once, not twice, not even three times. He doubted constantly. But the Bible holds him up, and that's why I spoke about Abraham, that he was the father of faith. He doubted time and time and time again. Yet, the Bible still records him and recalls him as the father of faith. That holds him up as an example of great faith. And so, we're going to look at Abraham. And in Hebrews 11.8, it says this. It says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out. Look at this. Not... He went out, tangible, substance. It forced him into action. He went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt, dwelt. It's a substance, it's tangible, you can see it. He dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has its foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Every time Abraham is mentioned in regards to faith, it, was, it never says because he believed, it said because he acted. He went and dwelt in the desert. He left his country. It's a tangible thing. And so we'll, I want to have a look at the timeline of Abraham's life. And then wanna, I want to give us two key factors in ensuring that we operate with faith and we operate in faith and then I'm going to give you an opportunity if you want to say, hey, I want to align my life with Jesus Christ and I want to have that faith that alters the way that I walk, that alters the way that I see the world. Um, can we get that timeline up? Uh, so I've just I've paraphrased here just for the sake of time. I'm not going to read the whole of Genesis from you know, uh, chapter 12 to chapter 27. Uh, but it says in, in Genesis 12, 1 to 9, it says, this is where God gives Abraham the promise. And just to kind of, I'm just going to throw that out here there for any Bible scholars. Now, I'm using Abram slash Abraham. Now, the reason is because God actually changes Abram's name to Abraham, but that's not, that's not the moral of the story tonight. Um, so I'm just going to paraphrase that. Don't send me an email. Um, I know. I get it. It's all good. Uh, Genesis 12, 1 to 9. This is where God gives Abram and Abraham the promise. He gives him a promise, and, and God says to him, I'm going to make you the father of a great nation, and, and from you the nations of the world are going to be blessed. Now, Abraham at this time had no kids. He was old, like old, old. But God says to him, I'm going to, you need to leave your country, and you need to go to this place, because I'm going to make you a father of great nations, and you're going to, you're going to inherit this country, you're going to see this country. And, uh, and, and so that's when that happens in Genesis 12, 1 to 9. So Abraham picks up his stuff, gets all of his, gets his nephew and, and all of his livestock and heads off. Why? Because faith is not just belief. Okay, well, that's great. Fantastic. No, no, no. Faith is substance. It forces us or it causes us to live differently and to act and to walk and to move. And so Abraham does that, picks up everything, and then there's a great famine, which is fantastic. Um, you'd think that God would make it easy, surely? Like, hey, I've paved the road for you. Uh, here's a chariot, head on down uh, to the new place that I've given you. But no, a great famine hits the land. And so famine strikes, and Abraham then goes to Egypt. 
And um, being a great man of faith, a hero of faith, he lies. Um, and so in Egypt, Abraham is scared that his wife is going to be uh, that his wife is going to be taken from him. So he does what every, any sane man does, uh, any normal man does, and says, "It's my sister." Uh, that's that's a joke. Sorry, that's a Bible joke. It wasn't a very good one. But Abraham lies, and so he says, "No, no, no. She's not my wife. She's my sister." Uh, in in order to try and because if they if uh, if the Egyptians thought that she was his wife, that he would be killed so that they, so that they could take her. Um, so he said, no, 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 she's my sister. And, you know, long story short, they kind of, it, it gets found out and then they got, kind of get sent on their way. So straight off, God gives Abraham a promise. He starts out on his journey and then famine hits and he lies. And why does he lie? Because he doubts. He doubts the promise of God. He doubts that God can actually do what he says. And so that's why I say, if, you're, if you doubt an aspect of your faith, you're in great company. You're in fantastic company because the father, the great hero of faith, also doubted. And so then we move on to Genesis 15. God says to Abraham again, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. Uh, you, you're going to be blessed. Uh, you know, there's going to be, you're going to have many descendants. They're going to be as, as numerous as the stars in the sky. They're going to be as numerous as the sand uh, on, on the seashore. The, you, you're going to be a great nation. So God, again, promises Abraham. And then, uh, and then anyway, so next chapter, Genesis chapter 16, uh, Abraham then thinks, oh, fantastic. And so rather than trust that God was going to bring about what God said he was, he was going to bring about, he then sleeps with his wife's servant, Hagar. Because why? Because he doubted. Because he doubted. Because he thought, well, there's, I'm old. There's no way that this can happen. My wife is old. There's no way that this can happen. And so he doubted. Because it's not just the, it, it's not the belief that makes it. It's the movement. All the way through this, Abraham is moving into the promised land that God had, to, had for him. But along the way, his mind doubted. His mind, was not ne- his mind didn't necessarily align with the way that he was walking. And sometimes faith operates in that space. And so Abraham sleeps with his wife's servant, Hagar. Hagar falls pregnant and she gives birth to a child called Ishmael. And, then, and, and so a- Abraham took matters into his own hands to try and fulfill the promise of God because he didn't necessarily believe that God could do what he said that he could do. Genesis 17, God re-establishes his promise with Abraham and Sarah and says that they'll become the, the parents of a great nation. And there's, there's a theme here. Can you see the theme that happens? God promises, Abraham doubts. God promises, Abraham doubts. But all the way, Abraham is moving. He's moving on this journey of faith. Genesis 18, Abraham has promised a son. Uh, God appears to Abraham and says, you know, your wife is going to conceive a son. Now, Sarah hears this from the tent and she laughs because she thinks it's impossible. There's no way that I can have a son. I'm so old. My womb is barren. I can't, it can't happen. I'm way past the age of childbearing. It can't happen. She doubts. Genesis 20. Abraham and Sarah flee. And they lie again. They go to this guy called uh, Ahimelech and, and Abraham again says, oh, no, no, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Don't hurt us. Don't hurt me. Because again, Abraham 
doubts that God can bring about what he said. And then in Genesis 21, Isaac is born. The promised child that Abraham had is born. And the one that would become the descendant that the great nation of Israel would be born through. Now, Abraham did not have his doubts. Abraham doubted pretty much at every step along the way. He lied pretty much at every step along the way. But God brought about the promise that he had. And then in Genesis 22, Abraham's faith is tested. And this time he passes. God says to Abraham, hey, your son Isaac, the one that I promised you, I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him on a mountain. And Abraham says, I'll do that. You know why? Because his faith kept moving him forward and his faith grew and his faith grew. And even though he doubted at some times, even though he lied at some point, his faith built him up to the point where it's like, hey, I'm no longer necessarily going to trust the physical situation right now. I'm not necessarily going to trust what I can see, what I can smell, what I can touch, what I can taste. I'm going to believe what God says. And it took Abram decades, decades to get to that point. But he was always operating in faith, always moving forward, always moving from the point where God gave him the promise to the point where the promise was fulfilled. Now, Abraham did not see himself become the father of many nations. He did not see his descendants become as numerous as the sand on the seashore. But he, I, I knew that he died with a spirit of faith, and that faith was passed on. And Isaac saw that faith. And my prayer and my hope is that the next generation see past the times when we doubt, see, time, see past the times when we don't necessarily get it wrong, we try to make things our own way, but my prayer and my hope is that we are people who are constantly moving in the direction of faith that we're constantly taking steps that might not seem normal or natural, but because our calling and our understanding is higher. It's not in what we can touch. It's not in what we can control, but it's in who made the promises to us. It's in who promised they would be for us. And so I want to make two statements that I think that we need to make sure are real and tangible in our own life. And, uh, and how do we leave the legacy of faith? Well, if we're, if we're using, if we're applying these two statements, I believe that we will see the legacy of faith be passed on to the next generation, but not just the next generation. I believe that the legacy of faith that we're called to have will be so impactful to those around about us. That when we're faced with circumstance, when we're faced with challenge, when we're faced with obstacle, when we're faced with, with things that, that, that might come against us, people see that we act different. It's not necessarily saying that we don't doubt. It's not necessarily saying that we don't know how the pieces are all going to align together, but we know in whom our trust is made in the promises. And, and so when we put our trust in the one who makes the promises, we can have some direction there. The first one is if we want to leave a legacy of faith, we need to make sure that the anchor of our faith is the promises of God. The anchor of our faith needs to be the promises of God. The anchor of our faith can't be our emotions. 
We, we can't have an emotional faith where if everything's riding high and if everything's feeling good, then I've got great faith. I've got faith for that. No, 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 no. We, we can't have uh, our faith just when we were kind of hyped up. Oh, you know, uh, there's, there's people believing and there's people around me. I'm hyped, I'm ready, I've got faith. No, no, no. Our faith needs to be anchored in the promises of God that He has for you and that He has for me because everything else will fall away. Everything else will disappear. God promises to strengthen us. God promises to give us rest. God promises to take care of our needs. God promises that He stands at the door and knocks. God promises to work everything together for His good. God promises to be with us. God promises that He will take away our sin and that we will have His righteousness. It's God's promises that form our anchor. Abraham doubted, constantly lied, but he was never derailed of the purpose of God. Why did God keep promising Abraham the same thing time and time and time again? Because when we anchor our faith in the promise of God, even though our doubts are there, even though our, well, I don't, even though our kind of our shortcomings, well, I, I can't see how that's going to take place. I can't see how that's going to happen. Even though they're there, when we anchor our hope in the promises and not in the circumstances, not in the emotions, not in, not in whatever is happening, then we're relying on Him, not on what we can see not on what we can do, it's substance. The Hebrew word for faith, which, you know, Abraham was a Hebrew, and so when it's de describing and defining who Abraham was and how he acted, it's the word aman, A-M-A-N, aman. And, and that meaning is fixed or solid. It's, it's, it's there, it's rock hard. You can build your house on it. So that's the word that, that, that when Abraham is talking about faith and when Abraham operated in faith, for him, the promise was rock hard. The circumstances were not, but the promise was. And when we anchor our hope, when we anchor our faith in the promises of God, our circumstances might not be A-OK. -okay. They might not be fantastic. Faith is not the denial of circumstances. Well, I can't look at it. It's, it's not there. It's not there. Faith is not the denial of circumstances. Faith is the anchor in the promise. And Abraham, even though he doubted, he still anchored his life on the promise. When, 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 that, when that word aman is used as a verb, it's, it's understood to be firmness, to be reliability. And I believe that God is calling us to a faith of reliability. God is calling us to a faith of firmness. So that when we operate in a, in a situation, there's a reliability there. There's a firmness. There's a stability that comes from the promise. James talks about the double-minded man. He says that the double-minded man is, uh, is, and what he's talking about there is doubt. He's talking about doubt. That the, the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways because he's not anchored to anything. He's, he's thrown from this thought to, this, to that thought. Or from this thought to that thought, or, or she's thrown from this thought to that thought. It's a double-mindedness. But 
when your anchor is in the promise, when your anchor is in the promise, circumstances don't get in the way. And, and I, I, I've stolen this, but and you can write this down, but it says, this is, this is, I think, that one of the greatest definitions of faith. Faith does not depend on physical circumstances changing. And I'm going to go slow, because faith does not depend on physical circumstances changing or emotional needs being met. Faith is not dependent on that. But faith is that God is who He said He is and that He is able to fulfill His plan for our lives. I'll say that again. Faith does not depend on physical circumstances. Faith is not some vending machine where I put a bit of faith in and I get like a Coke or something. Put a bit of faith in, get like a Cadbury timeout or whatever it is. Whatever other disgusting chocolate. Why don't I pick a timeout? Uh, that's not what faith is. Faith does not depend on physical circumstances changing or emotional needs being met. No, no, no. Faith is the, is the anchor in the, in the knowledge that God is who He said He is and that He is able to fulfill His plan for our lives. That's what faith is. I might not be necessarily loving this whole circumstance, but I know that God is who He said He is. I might be going through a valley right now, but I know who God says, I know that God is who He said He is and that He is able to fulfill His plan for our lives. Faith is, is anchored in the promise. And maybe you're here tonight, and maybe you don't know the promises of God, well, maybe that's first step. Maybe the first step is, is knowing the promises of God and, and understanding that because it gives you a level of confidence. It gives you a seed, faith. And so that, that's the first thing is that faith is anchored in the promise. Faith is not anchored in our feelings. Faith is not anchored in our emotion. Faith is not anchored in the hype in the room. Faith is anchored in the promise of God, in the promises of God and that He is who He said He is. And then the next thing is that faith grows. Faith doesn't rise, faith grows. Faith isn't yeast, it doesn't, doesn't rise, it grows. Faith grows through the personal trust born out of relationship. You have a look at that timeline of Abraham. The relationship with God grew over time. And Abraham moved from space to space. And in Genesis 21, his, the promise was fulfilled. But in Genesis 22, everything could have been derailed. Everything could have been derailed. When God said to Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son. But no, because faith had grown because of the personal relationship that he had with God. So that at the point where God said, I want you to sacrifice that which is most precious, Abraham had no qualms because he knew that God would fulfill his plan and his purpose for Abraham's life. And that happened because of the personal relationship that grows. Praying grows that relationship. Praying grows that relationship. And, and I think, you know, we, we, there's great stories of, of healings and miracles. I believe that God does miracles. I believe that God can heal. And I think we need to make sure that we're, we're telling those stories. We need to make sure that we're giving life to those stories. Uh, my, my wife's grandfather, he had hepatitis A. 
and hepatitis A, which, you know, is, it's not like a common cold. You don't, you don't recover from hepatitis A. Uh, he, he had a little veggie patch uh, at the back of his yard and, and all of the runoff from the kind of the sewerage from up the hill came down and was resting in the veggie patch. And the veggies grew really well, um, but so did the hepatitis A. So he was diagnosed with hepatitis A. Blood work, you name it, the lot, it was there. God healed him of hepatitis A. God healed him of hepatitis A. It's, and I think, you know, there's, there's hundreds, if not thousands, there's thousands of stories of God's goodness in this house. Just Amy's, my wife's mum, she was, she had epilepsy. She, her head would just kind of go, she was healed of epilepsy. Like doctors, you name it, like she was diagnosed, it was there, she was healed. God does miracles because when our hope is anchored in the promise and, and, and the faith grows, faith grows. And faith is not for the next generation to go, oh, well, that was fantastic. That happened back then. No, no, no. It's there to go, well, because of the relationship that has happened over time, Isaac did not struggle to believe that God would do what he said he would do. Why? Because he saw what his father did. His father was willing to sacrifice his life based on what God had said because he saw what was evident because faith is calling us to move. It's substance. It's tangible. It's real. It's not just, oh, you know, I've got faith. I come in another Sunday and that's it. No, no, faith is, it, it permeates everything. It permeates everything. It was later in life that Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son. And it's not because he whipped himself up into a frenzy. It was because he saw the goodness of God all through his life. And even though God didn't bring him through every circumstance, God didn't, God didn't ensure that a famine didn't happen. God didn't ensure that he was taken into Egypt. God didn't ensure that God didn't smooth the path for everything because he knew what needed to be built in Abraham's life. And if we get caught up in the moment that we're in, if we get caught up in the instant that we're in, we'll never necessarily see the promises of God come into our life. Jesus made the statement. Um, he comes out of the temple and he's just ripped up the place, pretty angry, curses the fig tree. And uh, fig tree dies and all the disciples are like, oh, gosh. And uh, he stands in this place, it's on the Mount of Olives. And uh, he says to the disciples, he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be cast into the ocean, and it'll happen. And, you know, I think that scripture has sometimes been misinterpreted and misquoted many, many times. But Jesus was actually, he was standing in the same place that Zechariah, the prophet, was standing in. And, uh, and, and, he's, and he was looking at the mountain. He said, if you, if you speak to that mountain, and, uh, and tell it to go into the ocean, it will happen. And, and what Zechariah, the scripture and the passage in, in Zechariah talks about, so what that mountain represents is, is it, it's an obstacle in God fulfilling the plans and the purpose in your life. And so it's not, we can't just, you know, it's not saying if you see a nice dress that you want, stand outside the shop and say, I declare that dress is gonna be mine tomorrow. It's not saying that at all. But it's saying where there is an obstacle that's going to misplace the purpose of God in your life, you can speak to that. 
And God is faithful to remove that obstacle in your life. And I want us as a church to be a church that is known as a faith church. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we, we, we don't acknowledge circumstances, that we don't acknowledge situations. No, no, no. It means that we're a church that anchors our hope in the promise of who God says that He is. It anchors our hope in, in, in the promise that God says that He will bring to pass what He said that He will bring to pass. And I want our statement to be that we believe that God is going to move, regardless. I, I, I want, when, when people say about Centro Church, and it's people. We have, well, we believe that God's going to move. Oh, but you don't know, you don't understand the circumstances. Oh, we believe that God's going to move. Oh, well, you don't understand the backstory. Oh, we believe that God's going to move. Oh, well, you don't understand the family that they come from. We believe that God's going to move. Oh, well, you don't, you don't understand like, like the, the kind of the economics. No, we believe that God is going to move. And I, and I want that to be the statement that our church makes constantly. And even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we're still going to walk the walk of faith. Walk the walk of faith. There's a story in the book of Daniel. Three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they, had a, they, were, they were told that, hey, if you don't bow down to this foreign statue, you're going to be thrown into the fire. You're going to be thrown into the fire and you're going to be burnt to a crisp. And I love their statement. I love it. And I want it to be the statement of my... My entire existence, I want it to be the statement of my life. And they said this, we believe that God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to operate in a spirit of faith. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. Even if he doesn't, we're still not going to do the wrong. Because our faith is not just how we feel. Our faith is tangible. Our faith is substance. for listening to this podcast.